0: Well, let's begin. Page 612 is where our Parsha begins. And let's say a blessing for studying Torah together. Baruch <laughs> ata Adonai Eloheinu melech asher v'tzivanu b'divrei Torah. OK, page 612. <clears throat> when we last left our heroes, Uh, Moses came, had to go last week. Moses uh, was up on Mount Sinai. The Israelites built the golden calf. He came down. There was a giant rebellion. uh, And then he goes back up the mountain to gain God's forgiveness uh, for the people. and And then he inscribes a second set of tablets. And when he comes down at the end of last week's portion with the second set of tablets, it says his face was radiating light and so brightly that people could not look at him, so he would put a veil over his face at times. And, uh, and that's where the Parsha ends. And so... Um, Moses has now brought down the instructions that he received, and those instructions include the building of this Mishkan, of this tabernacle. So now, in the last two portions... Hi, Emily. Hello. In the last two portions of the book of Shemot, of Exodus, the Israelites have to construct the Mishkan, and the book of Exodus ends... In chapter 40, in it's a double portion this week, Vayakhel and Vakudeh. And it ends with the divine presence coming down and resting upon the tabernacle and being with Israel on all of their journeys. So as I've often said, one of the things to keep in mind is that the book of Exodus is a, a, a real... Um, plot, a real narrative arc, because when it begins, the children of Israel are enslaved and completely disconnected from the divine presence, and they cry in their affliction and God hears them and takes note and remembers. And then the whole drama of the book of Exodus, including all of these details about building a house for God, um, uh, climaxes in the last line of the book. And they are reunited with the Creator from a state of degradation and exile. So when we do in the Passover Haggadah, welcome home to your other home, oh, thank you. When did you get back? Friday. Wow.
1: <laughs>
0: wow. Bruria's been in Israel for a few months. Yeah. Oh, Wonderful. Hi, Karen. So, we're on page 612. Uh, So that's this narrative arc of the Book of Exodus, where everything that happened so that the children of Israel might be living with, with the divine presence in their midst. And that's why the Passover Haggadah says, You took us from degradation to, uh, to, to praise, from slavery to freedom, from darkness to light. It's a good story, isn't it? It's the story we like, you know, where you get to where you start, it starts in the darkness and ends in the light. And that's the narrative arc of the book of Exodus. Uh, As we've also pointed out, and it's worth pointing out year to year, the book of Genesis and Exodus make a narrative arc Um, from the very beginning of God creating the universe through the whole series of, I would say, failed attempts by God to get human beings to fulfill their divine nature until this moment when it's not going to last again, but there's a, there's a sense of completeness, and that relates to what I was talking about microcosms and macrocosms, about the divine creation and the creation of the Mishkan being like the human contribution to creating a model, a model society in which the divine presence can dwell. But what I wanted to focus on first is the very first word of the portion. That's what grabbed me this time. So on page 612, it says, Vayakhel Moshe et kol adat b'nei Yisrael va'yomer Moses then convoked the entire Israelite community, the whole community of the children of Israel, and said to them, and what do you know about this Hebrew word kahal, yakhel? Anybody ring a bell for Anybody? Uh, what's our Hebrew name? Kehilat Lev Shalem. A Kehilah is a community, right? Vyachel is usually translated as to assemble, an assembly. But Kehilah is the word for community in Hebrew. So, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out, he's terrific. Um, a couple of years ago, this is some notes I had from a couple of years ago that I really liked from his uh, weekly Torah commentary. Um, Moses made the Israelites, <laughs> Yakel is causative, assemble, he communitized them. Moses made the children of Israel into a community, which is a really interesting teaching. Um, when they were uh, uh, Worshipping the golden calf, uh, they use the word that's used is parua, which means wild, uh, chaotic, unruly. In Hebrew, in the Torah, when someone uncovers their hair, they say their hair was parua, which means like that's you know, and you have to cover your hair. So, um, so that's where the word comes from. So, the word to describe the children of Israel, when they are uh, um, partying in front of the golden calf, is chaotic. Wild, unruly, tumultuous, disorderly. Those are all kinds of good words. And Moses makes them into a community. So I love that translation. And Moses took the adat, the, the it's translated here as the whole Israelite community, and edah is also another word for a uh, collective of people he took the whole collection of the children of israel and made them into a community
2: so, is that what con- convoke to mean
0: what's a convocation of... anybody know to convoke
2: a gathering
0: to gather together yeah but, but i but
3: for a, for a purpose
0: for a purpose convoke, to convoke. And, and the play I'm making here is that a kihila, which is translated as community, means some, a group that's assembled around a specific set of goals, it would appear. Um, and then... And he
3: gives them rules, that makes
0: a community. He, uh, does giving them rules, is rules, are rules sufficient to make a community? I think it's only one condition. Um, so here's what ha- happens next. Once again, it says, the first community instruction to become a community is on six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you ha- shall have a Shabbat of complete rest holy to the eternal and then of course there's the whoever does any work on it shall be put to
2: death holy yeah, well
0: <laughs> <laughs> the rabbis have a terrible time with that no, no, no.
2: how does this rabbi deal with it?
0: Uh, I, I say it very quietly. Uh. <laughs> <It's an> undertone. <laughs> they
4: actually did kill
0: people? There's no evidence that they did, uh, um, except for the story where someone's gathering sticks on the Sabbath and they stone him to death. Uh, so, did they actually? I don't consider, as you know, the Torah to be a factual account of events, but. An attempt to create a community, so we don't know, but keep in mind that the inheritors of the Torah, what we call the rabbis, the interpreters and transmitters of the Torah, uh, um, said essentially that was then and this is now, and they absolutely ignored this kind of commandment
2: but they. Hebrew word for death is death. There's no getting around. You mat.
0: death, will, will die. Yeah. Not
2: metaphoric. Now, well,
0: I think we can treat it metaphorically because in the previous instruction about... Um, so here's the metaphoric take on it, which I'm not saying is the... Uh, is, it, is it
3: they will die? or? In this case,
0: they will the, die. Uh, they will in another die. case, it says mot mat, which means they will certainly die, and it also says they will be cut off from their people.
2: That's
5: different. different. That's in different. The community
1: so, has to kill them. So we
0: have some license, right. But the reason it gets translated that way is because in another instance where someone is violating the Sabbath in the Torah, they get killed by the community. So uh, I think the plain meaning of the text is clear, but I think you can also uh, understand it to mean that you will be cut off from your community if you don't have a sacred day and sacred times and, say, and shared, you know, shared. this, right? Um, so, and it also says you shall kindle no fire throughout your settlements on the Sabbath day. Again, the rabbis had a big problem with this, and that's not what I'm aiming for in this talk, but it's worth saying. So they created a ritual called Shabbat candles. Uh, Which do you light when? Right before Shabbat. Because it says, don't kindle any fire on the Sabbath day. And so the rabbis developed elaborate rules for how to maintain a fire throughout the Shabbat. Because what is this? We should sit in the dark on this beautiful day of rest and be cold? That didn't make any sense to them. (laughs) Their opponents in the early Middle Ages, the Karaites, said, what are you talking about? It says, don't kindle a fire. And they refused to follow the rabbinic interpretation. There are still some Karaites in the world today uh, keeping their lineage alive, though we're all kissing cousins. I mean, it's not like they formed a separate religion. But um, my point there is that the rabbis essentially played pretty loose with this stuff when it seemed like it just didn't seem right to them. But as you know, they couldn't say that out loud, so they would find they would find artful ways to say, "Well, what the Torah really means is." Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. So having said that, the first thing that Moses says when he the first instructs them as he makes them into a community is, "You must observe the Sabbath." So that's nice. <coughs> Uh, to think about how how is having a Shabbat of complete rest a way that makes you a community. Now it's not a tricky answer necessarily, but I want to point it out. You uh, Huh? You hire a Shabbos That comes much later.
4: <laughs> well, we um, are we, uh, I I remember growing up, we have a bu- had a bungalow, half a bungalow colony in Sullivan County. And we were rent to the Orthodox, and we were conservative growing up. And uh, they taught us that uh, the, to- the day of rest isn't so much of rest, but one of study as well, um, uh, in their connection with God, uh, Hashem, um, that it's, it's a time not just to stop, but to refocus on the spiritual.
0: And that's, that is how, we, correct.
4: And that's how we bond.
0: And as we were, we were talking last week, In Kitisa, where it says, "On the seventh day, God rested and was yinafash, was had had his God's spirit renewed," and so the purpose of Shabbat is to have your spirit restored and renewed, right? Not just to kick back. That's not, you know, it's a day to stop your labor so that you can have your spirit engage in activities in which you are spiritually renewed.
4: And that would have, I think, a big impact on a, a communal experience, especially since it's um, uh, more from to, to, to act from your heart some, like the tree of life instead of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't know if it makes mm-hmm. sense. Right, right.
0: On Shabbat, you transcend the tree of knowledge of good and evil and you sit by the tree of life. That's right. And you simply imbibe it. So and, that, people, and that
4: would help create... A, I'm sorry to interrupt. Please. Create a community, communal uh, mm-hmm. a society uh, belonging even stronger than any other type of gathering.
0: That's right. Well,
5: it's Gail? also something that would set us apart from the rest of the world.
0: Two different things going on. One is a shared sacred time creates a context... Or community. Right? Because otherwise if if your day off Monday and mine is Thursday, it ain't happening. Right? And one of the things that's true right now in American society and much many places around the world is that people consider their workplace to be their primary community. Those where their most so their social relationships derive from, that's where they are. Um, but have you heard about this sort of thing? I've been reading yes. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's because the idea of sacred time has evaporated mm-hmm. and what people are left with is 24-7 and so, the, so work becomes but that, that's very limited um, all work and no play you know, but anyway that's not quite the right analogy, it makes you dull but so, sacred time Defines a communal experience. One of the reasons Christians moved the Sabbath to Sunday was to distinguish themselves, the early Christians, from their Jewish cousins, uh, uh, so that they would, the sacred time delineated for them their communal, identified their communalness. Um, so it does that for sure, but it also, if it's done right, Reinforces the bonds of community internally, not just as an external, we're not that, or we are this, but internally, what makes it possible for the divine presence to be felt amongst us. Uh, so that's sacred time. And that includes not just Sabbath, but we could extend it to the holy days, right? Um, or to people who pray three times a day and need a minion. Right? minion, is, by definition, a community, literally by definition. Um, there's two categories in Judaism, uh, the private realm and the public sphere, in a lot of Jewish law. And if less than 10 are present, it's not considered a public gathering. Uh, that's what a minion means, is that you are now in community. Because of that understanding, I'm willing to count nine, if nine show up, because this is our community today. But the intention is that you are moving out of your private sphere and into your communal sphere. That's the whole idea of a minion. That's why it's so important to have a minion, because you don't mourn privately. You need to say Kaddish in a community. You need, that's that's the glue, right? Otherwise, you're alone, as it were. Yes.
4: Could I also um, point out the, uh, the 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 unity of, of ourselves as human beings, the unity that we find each other is on a spiritual level, so that this community is more real as far as making Shabbat a spiritual day. That the community is a s- spiritual uh, fact.
0: That's right. So beyond satisfying our physical needs and making sure the lights are on and making sure there's enough food and, uh, and uh, all of those uh, activities that are essential to the life of a community, they are not sufficient. They're not sufficient because human beings need a sense of shared meaning and purpose in their lives. And if the only purpose you have is to eat and drink and sleep, it's not clear that a community is going to be able to sustain itself on that activity. So you need a day to remember love and intention Mm -hmm. and art and purpose and all of those things.
4: Um, what, I, I just remember what I wanted to say, that that spirit, spirit is w- what makes us connect that we're not even people anymore, we're just spirit. You know, it's like if, we, if we're a community of people, um, it's just the, the factor of spirit itself connects entities.
0: Nicely put. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The spiritual reality that underpins our lives where that's the foundation. Yeah,
4: it's, a, it's a reality, the life force, the, yes. the, the Hashem, the Creator, right. expresses himself through the community and being in a spiritual.
0: I'm Nicely put. Uh-uh, keep going. Okay. You're, are, you're saying it very clearly. I'm right with you. Um, Harris, did you want to say something? Yeah,
5: and then I moved on to something else. I was trying to... trying to... We, we do this... This thing for community. We set ourselves apart and physically set ourselves apart. Right. In order to create community. Right. But that can't be the objective in, to set ourselves apart uh, in general.
0: That's right. No.
5: So it's set ourselves apart for Shabbos, but then be part of the larger world. When we're not in Chavez, yes, but also be part of the larger world within Chavez, but kind of make sure it's a little different, just so we know. But we, I think, some Jewish people, uh, Orthodox of some sort, whatever the name is, will set themselves apart. That's right. For the sake of setting themselves apart and be apart, so they will throw rocks at you if you go down the wrong street. On Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturdays. Is that for the sake of so, setting themselves apart? Well,
0: we. No, no, no. Well, the point is, one then has to question whether they're fulfilling um, the uh, instructions in Judaism, <laughs> right, or favorite. whether they have, whether they've gone astray in their interpretation.
5: And and well, I think more so the earlier thing I said, which was to not be apart. The only reason the only reason I could see to be apart is so we cannot be apart.
0: Nicely put. Yes, yes. The purpose so we were just looking at Parshat Akev, where which is in Deuteronomy, where God says to uh, the children of Israel, <clears throat> cut off the thickening about your hearts and stiffen your necks no more. Rather, since I care for the hungry feed the hungry, care for the homeless, uh, attend to the stranger, so you too must do that. So then the purpose of the community is to give us a place to soften our hearts and unstiffen our necks so that we can offer ourselves to the world. Right? So I'm right with you. you. Yeah, I'm right with you. Yes?
4: Very short. Um, Another thing about being um, in spiritual... Uh, consciousness during Shabbos is not only to set us apart from the world, but to also, uh, again, unite us as spiritual beings with other humanity, which are also spiritual beings.
0: Ah, so beautiful. that on
4: Shabbos, we're, we're not... Sep- yeah, we separate, but when we're actually communing with all of humanity on that day. Beautiful.
0: You, you heard what she's saying. Oh, okay. Uh, it's right on track. It's that in addition to what I just said, um, the purpose of Shabbat is for us to tap our spiritual nature. When we tap our spiritual nature, we become aware of our connection to all. So that the purpose of setting aside sacred time is to create a container that is safe and holy in which we can remember that universal nature that we have so that when we go back to our work, we're bringing that awareness with us that, again, connects us to everybody. And
4: the stranger, the stranger, being good
5: to the stranger. All of it, being good to the
0: stranger, absolutely.
5: What's remarkable is that people uh, are able to do that. I guess you too, but I have a different image. Every week for 50, 60, 70 years, I mean, when I see someone uh, who's dressed up at 4.30 and the sun's going down at 5.30 and they're going to get their stuff and they're shopping and, and they're rushing and they're rushing. I feel uh, the energy. Not just they're rushing, but they're rushing for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel, to be honest, I feel left out. I don't want to be part of that, but I feel left out this adrenaline rush. Um,
6: so if- and it's
0: getting ready for another event we have in a little while.
6: Does she want some help with that table? Thanks, Anna. Anna, is there
5: another table you need?
0: No. No, we only need one. Um. I know what kind of Hold thing. on a sec. I experienced uh, that too. I don't want to be
3: part of the Orthodox community. I just see these people who seem to have their lives so centered around something in the community.
0: Right. What, what is I the benefit it's of. A what is the benefit? of being part of a community that makes time holy, you all share it. You have a community, right? That's the beauty of it. What do you give up? You give up some autonomy, right? Uh, But you get something that people need, which is community. We're social creatures, most of us. so uh, that's a great point, Harris. And so that's the, other benef- that's the other reason of Moses making them a community, by giving them a sacred time on a very practical level. They have a sense of purpose, which is to be together on this day. And that also unites them. Eitan?
2: So, if, um, so I really like the idea here that the first thing that's done is the creation of space and time and kind of delineating that and that's what makes them a community i guess my question is before this and there's a good chunk before this if that is what makes them a community then what what were they before that like what distinguished what defined them as a group
0: um you know what i mean yeah i know and i'm jumping on this as a teaching. Where it's not really at this moment in chapter thirty-five is when they became a community. Yeah. I just like that the yes. way that Rabbi Sachs kind of points us towards yeah. the building blocks of community here, which is and the next building block
5: through layers of, the, of community being built, mm-hmm. some because you can build a community that's not so strong as that or as like when you when you not me but if you go to boot camp for the Marines. You're a bunch of individuals. By the time you get through that three, four, five months, you're a community. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a community in, in the same way that it can be built, mm-hmm. but it's a much broader, so deeper, broader... Uh, so it takes time.
0: Nicely put. Bruria? Well, there
1: is a community feeling if you do the same thing on the day of press. Yes. Even if you're not within a group of people. Mm. I know I dedicate Shabbat to learning and to reading. And I don't do anything that I that I would uh, um, do during the week, shopping, uh, this and that. And I feel as a community with all the other people who also um, adhere to the uh, commandment that they should, you should have a day of rest. And what does that mean? Sleep? That's natural. You need it uh, for sustenance. But to actually be busy with with spiritual activity, when you know that all the Jews over the world take Shabbat as a day of rest and learning.
0: Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So br-
1: I wanted to bring my father as an example Allah, Allah of He was the head of a community of and Jewish families in Hungary. And those families hardly came to shul, except uh, they were the three days a year Jews. And he was studying. I I know we studied with him and we read with him, but um, he was the head of the Jewish community. And they had uh, related to him as the leader of spiritual behavior. And uh, I learned this from him, that you can be by yourself with your day of rest Beautiful. And still belong to a community of spiritual people.
0: Beautiful. So, thank you. So Bruria, by identifying with the Jewish people and marking Shabbat, feels herself in community and is actually reinforcing the bonds of community, even if she's not doing it physically at that moment. because. It's, part, it's sewn into her experience of, of the Jewish people. Again, That's important too.
4: Spiritual connection beyond, please. Yes, a physical. spiritual connection
0: that transcends our physical presence with each other. I Gail? Th-
4: I think about that a lot on Shabbat when we read the Torah. You know, just the idea that this is what's happening all over the world, the same Pasha, and on the high holidays. That Jews all over the world are doing the same thing. It's just like so incredible to me.
0: It is. It's an amazing It's spirit. beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, in addition to sacred time, Moses instructs them, I'm following again Rabbi Sachs's, uh, Moses instructs them to create sacred space. That's the next instruction. Um, Moses said further, verse 4, to the whole community of Israelites. This is what the Eternal has commanded. Uh, and this is a repeat of um, the list back in Trumah uh, a few weeks ago. Moses is repeating what God has told him. Take from among you gifts to the Eternal. Everyone whose heart is so moved shall bring them. And remember these gifts? Gifts we of gold, silver, copper, blue, purple, crimson yarns, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins, the mysterious um, uh, techashim, which we don't know that they're dolphin skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the aromatic incense, lapis lazuli and other stones for setting for the ephod and the breastpiece, And let all among you who are chokhmat lev, skilled or wise of heart, Come and make all that the tabernacle that the Eternal has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its clasps and its planks, its bars, its posts and its sockets, and on and on and on. Uh, So they need to create sacred space, says Rabbi Sachs, Uh, a place where you gather with purpose and intention, Uh, a place that's dedicated to the holy dedicated to having the spirit there. It doesn't have to be a cathedral. One of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel's most famous writings is that there was a great temple in Jerusalem that was considered to be the place where God dwelt. When the temple was destroyed in the first century by the Romans, the rabbis who who recreated Judaism in the wake of that disaster determined that, um, uh, that uh, in the absence of the temple, we weren't going to rebuild more temples anywhere. And the way Heschel puts it is Judaism became uh, a religion that sanctified time more than it sanctified space. Uh, and whereas the Catholic, the Catholic tradition, which drew directly from the temple tradition, we've talked about this, The priests of the Catholic tradition continued the temple ritual. And what did Catholics build? Cathedrals. Cathedrals, Right? Holy temples. Incredible cathedrals. I've got nothing against them, honestly. They're amazing. And the Jews didn't keep doing that. Uh, Whereas in ancient Israel, sacred time and the sacred space were both really, you know, they came together at in with, on the pilgrimage festivals, with intensity. Two million people, it says at times, would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and uh, to be around the Holy Temple at the time of Passover. So it was all about space and sacred, t- sacred space and sacred time. In Judaism, sacred space as a cathedral faded away. And yeah, there's some pretty cool synagogues, but it's not the same, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, that's that's they, they don't serve that function. So you need, but you need sacred spaces, spaces to come together and as part and parcel of um, where holiness dwells.
4: Next year in Israel. Next year, time Israel. Next, next year, year in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in the
0: sacred space. That's right. Time. And we still have those sacred spaces, Jerusalem in particular. Did you want to say something, Bruce? No. Okay. Um, and so the instructions start for the, uh, here, I'll read what Jonathan Sachs says, and then the Sfat Emet extends it. Uh, what Moses had to do after the golden calf was vayakel, turn the Israelites into a kihilah, a community. He did this in the obvious sense of restoring order, uh, and I wrote about that. They were not a community, but a crowd. Hmm. He did it in the more fundamental sense, as we see in the rest of the Parsha. First he had to Just establish order. Uh, He began by reminding the people of the laws of Shabbat. And then he instructed them to build the Mishkan, the sanctuary, as a symbolic home for God. And why these two commands? Because Shabbat and the Mishkan are the two most powerful ways of building community. The best way of turning a diverse, disconnected group into a team is to get them to build a space together, hence the Mishkan. The best way of strengthening the relationships is to set aside dedicated time when we focus not on the pursuit of individual self-interest, but on the things we share. By praying together, studying Torah together, and celebrating together. In other words, Shabbat. Shabbat and the Mishkan were the two great community-building experiences of the Israelites in the desert. It's a nice teaching. For some reason, I'm remembering when I was a kid um, when my suburb... Felt like a community, and all came together around Thanksgiving Day parade and uh, um, the fireworks at the high school, uh, by the JCs, put on by the JCs on July Fourth, and uh, you know there we had a there was definitely in fifty years ago and longer a stronger civic bond. Um, it still
3: happened. You don't live in Kingston. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's, a, it's a football, a home football game. Okay, well, okay, so, yes, high school football. Socrates, 4th foot. of July, and when we, it's a number of years already, but when we all got together to build a playground at the elementary school, yep. was before your time, but wow, that Just was before, a, before my time. Before it was brand time. new when I got here. Yeah, that was a great, and we did the same thing in Socrates. Right, we built a, we
0: built a building playground. something together, figuratively or literally.
5: Not in between. So...
0: Not in Queens? Yeah. yeah.
5: So the building, be, it, it's, it's symbolic, but it's not much to it. It's, it's only a, a symbol.
0: It's just a symbol. It's,
5: there's nothing holy about the bricks or the lumber. There's nothing holy about the place. It just was a tool for people to put their energy, their force, and come together with.
0: That's right. That's right. It's a destination. It's a focus. It's a. Mm-hmm.
5: It's like the one from the uh, Islam class. The box, the hollow
0: box. Oh, the hollow box, the Kaaba in Mecca. That's, that's just. It's a box, right? What makes a place a sacred space? A sacred you space. The people it. who are making it. That's right. And, and that's the right. People
5: who come after who want to look at. it,
0: Okay. Yeah. So I think of it most practically as you need sacred times when people are going to get together to remember w- w- why we're doing this project together. But you also need a place for people to get together in that the community maintains for that purpose. And just on the most basic level, I, I was thinking about yes, you have a community center, right? And that's uh, that was important. Now. The Sfat Emet, who is a Hasidic rabbi, has a favorite triad about how um, uh, where you can experience the presence of holiness. And the Sfat Emet talks about three realms: the realm of time, the realm of space, and the realm of nefesh, of person. Um, the, and and that's the Sfat one of his favoriteest things to talk about. And he will say so in. In Vayakel, the time is Shabbat, right? That is created in which you can experience the holiness of Shabbat. The space is the Mishkan, but you have to add the experience of the person. Uh, Otherwise, as we were saying, it's just a box, or it's just a day. And but when you have all three levels um, being where Everyone understands and is working to manifest this experience of the spiritual. Then when it comes together, that's when you have a true community. That's basically what the Sfat Emet is teaching about. And the Sfat Emet holds up Moses as the example of the person. So Shabbat is the day, the Mishkan is the place, and Moses, according to the Svat Emet in this teaching, is the person. What about Moses. Well, Moses just, will is, is able to encounter the divine right, and not shrink away from it. Moses comes down with his face shining. Uh, Moses is, is par, is, Moses is somehow able to dwell in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm and have them interact with each other, have that all be in the same person. I like that teaching. And uh, he talks about so I don't know, it does a beautiful thing. We have learned that shalom is a vessel that contains blessing. Okay, that's the quote it comes from. Uh the Midrash. Um ze Shalom. Oh, it's from the Mishnah. Um, shalom is a vessel that contains blessing. And uh, so the assignment says, what we're after is this sense of shalom. What does that have to do with community? Um, So we've talked a lot about the word shalom. It doesn't just mean peace, right? Shalom comes from the root that means wholeness. Shlemut, fulfillment, shalem, completeness. So shalom is the state of wholeness and fulfillment. When we, let's call it when we are, at moments when we are fully realized, that would be the condition of shalom. It's, as uh, Dina Crane taught me once, uh, shalom is in no way, doesn't mean the absence of conflict. That's shaket, that's quiet. Right? And When in the book of Judges, when the last war is ended, and it'll say, and there was quiet in the land for the next X number of years. It doesn't say shalom. Uh, Whereas Pax, peace, is generally refers to the absence of conflict. Shalom refers to a different take on what this what makes peace. You know, and Dina said, Shalom is when all the all the broken or half parts or separated parts you can complete them in your consciousness and have something that embraces it all including the uh contentious parts that's what shalom is shalom is a really um enlightened state of being uh where you you can look at the whole and embrace it and uh so, again, a little, a little excursion. Um, there's this very famous story in the Talmud that's very um, uh, cryptic about the four who enter the orchard. Four rabbis, Rabbi Akiva, Ben Zoma, Ben Azai, and, do you remember the fourth one? I'm forgetting. Uh, An Acher, Elisha Ben Abuya. And it says they entered the pardes, the orchard. And it has something to do with an ascent up to God's throne because it says that Acher lost his faith. And uh, Ben Azai went mad. No, Ben Zoma. Ben Azai died. And only Akiva came out in Shalom. In peace, it got to be more than that. Whatever they just went through, in one piece. (laughs) (laughs) Only Akiva came out in one piece. And so that's what shalom means, this ability to hold all of reality so that in Akiva's case, when you have a mystical ascent and it blows your mind, you can come back to the earth and say, and this is, this is good too, right? When you have an experience of the oneness of all creation, then you come back to this crazy place. Instead of it just, you say, uh, I'm done, I can't handle this, and go live on a mountaintop, or whatever happens, once you've experienced the, the incredible breadth of human experience, from an experience of divine oneness and utter bliss, right back to our contentious, ridiculous world and be shalom with it, that's enlightenment, right? That's true wholeness because you're embracing all of it. Um, yes, Emily.
3: Have you heard that Rumi poem, the one that it says, I think it's like, so what is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing the parts in the whole and in the whole of the holy
0: seeing the parts in the whole, yep. and in the whole, the holy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um,
2: yeah, I, I believe sorry.
0: the word holy in English derives from W-H-O-L-E. Uh, wholeness and holiness have similar Middle English roots, I believe. Yeah?
3: I was just thinking about, I always
0: love that idea in Jacob's Ladder that
3: the angels are ascending and descending.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: And that seems to be the... A, a powerful. Uh, um, I don't know if it's a difference in Judaism, but it's an emphasize that it's it's
4: both transcendence and immanence. It's, it's,
0: mm-hmm. it's both. It's That's both. That's right, ascending and descending. So, with that understanding of shalom. Oh yes, Gail, please.
3: I think it's it's also seeing that in the contradictions on this plane of reality, that that too has a wholeness. (coughs) It's not just a transcendent wholeness. Mm -hmm. It's the wholeness of all of this. It's the courtship.
0: Oh, right. But what I was trying to express is that the, the, the contentiousness and conflict and brokenness, once you have, once an akiva, has ascended and seen it from God's point of view as it were, sees that it's all. Yes,
6: it wasn't clear to me that's what you meant. Oh
0: yes, no it's not either or. It's and 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 like the it's It's seeing
6: it from
4: God's point of view.
0: From God's point of view. If you could step back and see the blue marble and know of our earth. Right. And know that well there was that song that Julie Gold wrote, you know, from a distance the world looks blue and green. And the snow-capped mountains white. And it's just about that, that song. Um, Yes?
4: I have a question. Okay, now, we're talking about um, uh, um, uh, elevated consciousness uh, and spirituality and it coming from a holy place, a holy uh, space uh, internally. Uh, and then coming back to the uh, everyday realm and being able to um, embrace the everydayness as part of the holiness, as the right. holiness, okay, the question, now the everydayness of our, of our world um, it contains a lot of chaos, and it, like this similar question I asked you earlier about negativity and evil, uh, we have to embrace that that's part of existence, but we're also supposed to be holy. And in order to separate your space and timing, make it holy, it, it does not incorporate evil, but it, it, it can accept it without incorporating it. Can you please explain?
0: So having a sacred time and a sacred space and a sacred sense of personhood, in other words, because the person has to bring their intentionality to the sacred time and sacred space to to make that it is for the purpose of remembering the biggest biggest picture so that when you go out into the world and you encounter brokenness and darkness you remember you don't go after it as something to attack but you don't shrink from it and you don't say it's okay it's like it's like when I'm working, I know this best from working with little kids. When a little kid, and I get better at it with adults the older I get, my age limit of people I'm not scared <laughs> of, keep getting higher. Um, but, I'm, but when I worked with kids for all those years, I was, ver- I was great at it. And I was really one of the things I was really good at was interrupting their be- negative behavior without attacking them, right? Because... I wasn't confused. I didn't feel threatened by them. And I didn't think that they were evil. And so so there's a way to behave in the world where you you grapple with it all without condemning it or attacking it.
4: Okay, thank you. It's
0: not passivity versus activity. It's the nature of how you engage. Does that make sense? Yes, perfectly fine. Yeah, I think a what...
6: lot about this concept of intentionality, and I was wondering if there were any rabbinic teachings that addressed it?
0: Lots. The rabbis are totally interested in intentionality, Uh just like any other spiritual teachers. Uh And the Hebrew word is kavanah, which we've encountered before. Kavanah means your intention. L'chaben literally means to aim. So it's your intention, your aim. And I don't want to go in great depth right now, but it's a central concern of the rabbis. How do you bring intentionality into your activities in the world? If you don't bring intentionality, the, the default is um, like whatever's on TV. I, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for. Mindlessness. Hmm? Mindlessness. mindlessness. Mindfulness versus mindlessness. And uh, it's, there's no neutrality. Mindlessness leads to problems.
4: So you can have unconditional love without, and then that, that way you're not attacking... Right, love. unconditional
0: love, but also inner power. Right, Love is powerful. Uh, and again, we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of confusion for many of us um, uh, about that... That somehow we have to detach from the world in order to retain our, uh, you know, because we don't want to be violent or aggressive. But violence and aggression are one thing. Intentional action does not have to be violent or aggressive. Uh, uh, hands, yes, Rob. Rob. I,
2: I'm back with the story of the four rabbis. I'm not familiar with. Oh, story. it's a classic. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't. So what was is the, is the story include a teaching about what was special about Akiva
0: no you have to infer that from all the other stories about Akiva and there's no have, this story has no explanations given
2: do we know about the other three rabbis who didn't have it yes and are there stories about lots
0: it's really, fun to, it's really fun to explore that story and then explore all the other stories about those characters. They're, they're some of the most fleshed-out uh, character, uh, rabbinic characters in the Talmud. Wonderful. It's missed, wonderful I missed, stuff. I missed it all. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll do Isn't it sometime. It,
6: would, not yet. There's
2: still time.
0: Still There's still time. There's
6: still time.
0: Right. We have like 15 <laughs> minutes. No. Uh, Bruce. No, no. no, no. Uh, uh, Harris. You
5: mentioned intention Yes. Very, very, very important. Not not to go back too far in in what we're doing, but you you, you mentioned that we were told to to build a mishkan.
0: Mishkan, which means a dwelling place for God. That's what it means. Was
5: the intentionality being told to build it, was it to be told to get a roofer, get a contractor, get a mason, or was it for the community, the three-year-old, the 73-year-old, the handicapped, the architect, the, the wise mind, who is going to build this? Thing?
0: You are awesome, Harrison. That is just great. That's the perfect segue. Okay. Everybody, everyone whose heart is willing, heart willing has to, as opposed to a um, enforced um, surtax. That's not going to build this Mishkan. It has to be gifts of generous free will by people who have each skill needed. So I think it's a perfect segue to read, this, mm-hmm. read the text. That was perfect. Um, but I, I just want to um, uh, summarize what I said before. Uh, so in the Svod-Emet's take on this, expanding on Rabbi Sachs, I don't know if they were in conversation. I mean, they're 100 years apart. but. Sachs might have been reading Svat Emmet. It takes, Moses offers three communitizing um, uh, principles. One, sacred space, time, that's going to create a community by Akel. Two, is creating a sacred space in a certain way with intention. And three, is how you are in in that community. And Moses offers himself as the example. right? Not that he's doing that as, here, watch me. Moses is, in for the admit, Moses is the example of the way a person must, must uh, embody themselves in order to manifest sacred space and sacred time. So that's what we've gotten so far. So now, yes?
5: Except, except uh, the, doing the space, the Mishkan, is the example of what a community
0: does. Exactly.
5: Because we we didn't didn't touch on the community as part of the three.
0: The community, the way the community...
5: Where Does it fit into building the Mishnah, or does it fit into an example of Moses that now you're the community, or is it both, or is it all three?
0: All three. Okay. Let's go on, and then you'll see. So, verse 10, because the way you expressed it was perfect. And anyone who knows Hebrew, uh, you've heard me teach this before, but the way the Bible is constructed... Uh, li- um, literarily is the one word gets repeated over and over in certain passages like a, um, a theme or a bell that just rings over and over again. Like a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and that word is lev in this portion. Lev means heart. So verse 10 begins vechol chacham lev. And all who are wise of heart. Now, our translator, again in their effort to be um, um. accurate in English or whatever, said, "And let all among you who are skilled, no. No. no, wise of heart." Okay.
2: That's So different.
0: I know, I know. Come and make all that Yehovah has commanded: the tabernacle, its tent, and its covering. Da 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 da. I'm just going to skip that part, <laughs> and go all the way to verse 20, so the whole community of the children of Israel left Moses' presence, and everyone who excelled in ability and everyone whose spirit was moved came, okay, that's true, but whose heart was uplifted, that's what it means. Vikhol Asher Nadva Rucho, whose spirit was generous. So, and everyone whose heart was uplifted and whose it, spirits were generous uh, brought to Yodhaivave an offering for the work on the tent of meeting and for all its service and all its sacral vestments. Men and women, and it's interesting to me here that the Torah, which usually that's an unusual thing. Not not rare, but unusual thing for the Torah to say. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's men and women, because often the Torah is just addressing the men. Kol nadeiv lev, all whose hearts moved them. All who would make an elevation offering of gold to the Eternal came, bringing brooches, earrings, rings, and pennants, gold objects of all ta- of all kinds. Verse twenty three. Uh, And everyone who possessed blue, purple, and crimson yarns, brought them. Verse 24. Everyone who would make gifts of silver or copper brought them. And everyone who possessed acacia wood brought it. Um, Verse 25. V'chol isha chokhmat lev. And any woman who was wise of heart with her hands spun um, uh, and brought... um, uh, what they had spun in blue, purple, crimson, and fine linen. 26, v'chol hanashim asher nasa liban, and all the women whose hearts were uplifted spun the goat's hair, and the chieftains brought the sacred stones and spices and oil. And then, verse 29, thus the Israelites, every man and woman, Asher nadav li whose hearts moved them uh, to bring anything for the work that the Eternal, next page, had commanded them through Moses, brought it as a nidava, as a free offering to Yudhei And Moses said to the Israelites, See, look, Yodah has singled out by name this guy named Bitzalel, which we've talked about other years. The name is very significant. It means in God's image. His name means in God's image. Uh, son of Uri, son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled, endowed him, and he has filled his spirit. He has been filled with the divine spirit of Chokhmah, Tvuna, and Da'at, of wisdom, ability, and knowledge. In every kind of craft. Lachshov machshavot. Now, it says here, making designs. Uh, Anyone know what machshava is? It's a thought. Lachshov is to think. You know, this is kind of like the the scarecrow. (laughs) Lachshov machshavot. In other words, to be able to envision the designs. So, Harris, just to get to your question, it's like read, you were just telling us what was going to happen next.
5: I didn't read this so I would waste your time. I, that's what came to mind.
0: Well, that's why, that's why I like when you say stuff. But like, I,
5: I, I, I wasn't able to pay close attention. Did it also have people in here that weren't convinced, that weren't so, so inclined? It doesn't mention them. What about <laughs> sad people? What about right. People with mental illness. What about right.
0: Well, hopefully.
5: They all, they all came and pitched in, I assume.
0: Well, here's what I imagine. Only the people whose hearts moved them. However, take a look at what it says in um, uh, verse. Um, well, let me jump ahead a little bit. Uh, uh, in verse. Okay, verse uh, 2 down below. Moses then called B'Tsalal and Oholiab. And every ish chacham lev, every person wise of heart, whom the Eternal had endowed with skill uh, in their heart, with wisdom in their heart, everyone whose heart was uplifted. Look, verse 2. Let me translate from the Hebrew. And Moses called B'tzalel and Aholiav, and every person who was wise of heart, to whom God had had given them wisdom in their heart, (laughs) Everyone whose heart was uplifted to draw near to the sacred work of making this Mishkan.
2: So who didn't?
0: It doesn't say who didn't, but I have a...
5: uh, Who didn't he give that to?
0: uh, Right, so uh, let me talk about that in a minute, uh, because I have a couple of traditional answers that I can give you. Um, They took over from Moses all the gifts that the Israelites had brought for the holy building of this Mishkan, and they brought and continued to bring, morning after morning. And all the artists and all the wise makers who were engaged in the building of the sanctuary came from the task that they were engaged in. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the tasks entailed in the work that the Eternal is commanded to be done. And Moses thereupon had this proclamation made throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make further effort toward gifts for the sanctuary. So the people stopped bringing. Their efforts had been more than enough for all the tasks to be done. So this is the imagery. This is how you build a sacred space. By people giving freely. So much so that you say, that's okay, we have enough. We have more than enough. Anything else won't create, according to this text, the space in which God's holy energy can dwell. It has to be coming from this heart space. And the heart space includes all of our skill, all the endowed skills we have, and our hearts. It's a beautiful image. So the teaching about so what about the the folks who were, you know, that question. So I people on the fence. Right. And there was people on on the fence.
6: I don't uh, understand, I am sorry. Oh, what about I,
0: people who said, film, my heart's...
6: I, I thought we were talking about... Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just looking at the text, and we're, you know, we're reading about the decorative arts. I mean, it, it, it we're not talking about personality types, you know. We're talking about, you know, people who are skilled with dolphin skins, and, and you know, we're talking about different fabrics and woods. We're not talking about... In different ways of comportment. People who are, you know, mentally ill or well, on the he, fence. You know,
0: it, it <laughs> right. So, but the the question. I agree, and the there's a story that there are all these. When you follow all the instructions, there are all these tent pegs that have to be made. Tent pegs, hundreds of them, because this is a portable structure, and so the rabbinic teaching, it is. That even the people who made the people who made the tent pegs were as important as the people making the golden crowns for the, uh, because it's obvious you need tent pegs too, mm-hmm. and so there's this lovely teaching,
3: right? So okay, that makes sense.
0: That the tent peg makers were considered as valuable as everybody else. That still doesn't address Harris's question which is, what about the people who weren't fully committed to this project, whose hearts weren't moved? or And there is a category in the Torah called the Erev Rav, which means the mixed multitude, also known as the Asaf Suf in another one, which means the rabble. Um, uh, And they are the ones who, in a couple of different places in the Torah, instigate rebellions. Or saying, let's go back to Egypt. Right? Now, on a spiritual level level, we each are sometimes the wise of heart and sometimes the rabble. Right? And so that's an important way to read it. Uh, my hope would be, Harris, that those folks get drawn along in the enthusiasm of the project. Right? that the skeptics eventually join the party, you know, the, the people hanging out on the margins. That's what I would hope for. That word enthusiasm, which I've talked about before, means in Greek entheos, which means filled with God. So if you're an enthusiast, it means you're filled with God. God. And uh, that word is perfect for this example. So the answer, as I he- hear it, uh, is that, yeah, those people were there. They turn up over and over in the text, and they're constantly tearing down the project
4: Special
5: with their
0: lack of buy-in.
5: And if not that, they're not contributing. They
0: may not they're not work. contributing, at Absolutely. least, at best, they're dead weight. Do, do, right.
5: does, does, is that... I, I just hope that you... Does that make sense? What you said.
0: It's two different uh, paradigms we're talking about.
5: Yeah, two different yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we have the nice stuff and the artistic stuff, and it's what about the people that are not ready, willing, and able to contribute to the... Well, right. able is so what I, I, different able than willing.
0: Willing. Yeah. But what I want to say about... about everybody's uh, able. What I, what I want to say about Emily's... Everyone's able. All the women know how to spin. Right? That's what they did. That's, that's what they did so that they could have... That's how they made their garments and coverings. <laughs> Hold on one second. Let me just uh, say one more thought. So, in, in Emily's... Uh, listening to what Emily was saying... Bezalel, who is the master craftsman, his name, as we've talked about in other years, means made in God's image. So Bezalel is clearly to me every man. And every one of us has the capacity to think of, design, and manifest beauty in the world.
6: I didn't mean to come across as antagonistic. I, I've been under some stress lately. It's, it's, it's fine. It's OK, fine.
0: so that's all done then. Okay. But I follow what you. I, fo- uh, I can follow your thread. And he was talking about uh, something else, which I was also addressing. So now there were a few comments. Yes.
2: I'm thinking about the previous Torah portion, where her disappears. And now this is his son. And supposedly in the Midrash, with her, uh, Attempted to stop the Golden Cap, he was murdered, and so we. Oh right! Oh, I'm not going to get to
0: talk about that today. I I wish I never heard from again. I'm not going to get to talk about that today, Uh, and this is his son. That is a really rich vein that we could. It's Aaron's
2: excuse. I didn't want to get murdered.
0: I know. I know. We're not going to be able to cover that today. But But Bob wanted to say something.
2: Yeah, if we don't, if the Hebrew stresses. Uh, wise of heart, yes. Rather than s- the word skilled, right. Then it seems to me we all have the ability to be wise of heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you stress that part of the translation, it's not a story about whether you're spinning or know how to spin or not.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. You can bring something because well, you have. Uh, you have something it's to a give. Matter of emphasis, I thought. Yes. And ha- and heart, in t- we
2: all have that potential. Right. So
0: and by the way, heart in Torah refers to the seat of consciousness. As uh, and so it's wise, So it's it's heart plus. It's you know we we've in our in our language. I'm just saying. So when yeah. it says Chochmat lev, it's even bigger than what we might be saying wise of heart. We're saying wise of awareness, wise of consciousness wise of, uh, you know, fully, fully, Uh, I'm
2: just pointing out that that translation emphasizes a whole different story, a different teaching. Yes. Than the craftsman.
0: That's right, it does, and yet, if you read, and that's why I think, that's why the translation is lacking. On the other hand, the thrust of the story is that the people gave so much every day that finally Moses told them you have to stop giving. And that is the thrust of the narrative here that the Mishkan is built by people's overwhelming generosity of, of self, yeah. Okay. But I got your point, absolutely.
2: I, I just I haven't sat with other rabbis teaching this, so I don't know how much we are coloring it or how much they color it the other way. I don't uh, know. So I'm just curious. So. Well,
0: there's a whole B'tzalel society that is, a, is uh, named that for uh, Jewish craft people. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, so the answer is once again, both. Both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Diane.
3: About this able and willing. Yes. <clears throat> going back to what we read previously, you have to observe the Sabbath and those who don't, they die. Right. So the Torah is not that Concerned with people who are not willing to go along with the program.
0: <laughs> yes. That's I mean, right. We,
3: we may find that uncomfortable. I think that's,
0: so do the rabbis. I think that's a really good point. It's, the, it's rabbinic, it, it, yes and no. Yes, yes and no, because rabbinic teaching has so many stories about how the lulav and the etrog make up the four kinds of of Jews, right? The lulav, the, the etrog, smells good and tastes good. That's a Jew who has good deeds and studies Torah. And the lulav, uh, you can eat hearts of palm. That's someone who has good deeds, not so much Torah. And the myrtle has a great fragrance. And that's a Jew who studies Torah, but not so much good deeds. And the, the willow has neither good taste nor good smell. And that's that kind of Jew who has not good deeds. But the rabbinic teaching is, you hold them all together, and that's where God's presence is. Right? That's, that's a classic, right, that's a classic that's rabbinic teaching.
3: And as you've, you've told us many times, we practice rabbinic Judaism. But, exactly. But, but... This is in the Torah. It's like, you don't want to be with us? Right. You're not.
0: I think you're right. I think, I think that's true to a degree. But then on the other hand, there are passages like I cited before. I'm, I'm going to read it again, because uh, make sure I say it just right. Um, Deuteronomy chapter um, ten. It says, "So I think you find, I think you'll find different threads." Uh, Diane, mm-hmm. um, cut away, therefore, the thickening about your hearts and stiffen your necks no more, for the eternal your God is God supreme and Lord supreme. Uh, who shows no favor and takes no bribe, but upholds the cause of the fatherless and the widow, befriends the stranger, provides food and clothing. Therefore, you too must befriend the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I mean, what are you going to say? It's got both. I it's think it's got
3: both. And yeah. But I think the message of that is you get chance after chance after chance. You get a second, third, fourth, an infinite number of chances to join in to join
0: in to get with the program. Right. Right, and I think that's true in general, in, in real life too. Yeah. I mean, finally, you have to buy a ticket, you know, or you don't get into the game, into the uh, the stands. Yeah, it's yeah. true.
5: What, what you're come away with from today's
0: reading? What yeah, well, just so to sum up, the teaching I wanted to share with you, I'll, I'll repeat, is this idea of what it takes to make a community. By definition, a kihla is a place where you experience the divine presence, right? Not just not just a club, or a random gathering, or an interest group, but a community, a kihila, where you sense that you're here together, with each other, and invested in each other's well-being. Uh, and um, so we explore that you need you need to have sacred times that bring you together you need a sacred space and activity that binds you together and you need a willing heart you need to have a sacredness in person in your person or you won't be compelled you won't feel that impulse to make a community and uh, that's what moses is trying to do now in the wake of the golden calf episode where he sub- he he subdued the chaos and he re He reconstituted order, but order is only the foundation of a community. Now, what are you going to do to build what really makes a kehila a kehila? So that's kind of where I was going with this teaching today. Um, And uh, uh, that's, that's a good place to stop. I'll let you know, apropos, I'm going into the sanctuary now. We're hosting a meeting, a gathering, for anyone who's interested. In hearing an immigration lawyer speak, and we didn't publicize this on social media because the organizers asked us not to, because there are people who are afraid uh, right now um, and uh, don't. So they ask that we not publicize this meeting publicly, but do it by word of mouth. Uh, so if you if you want to stay, it's an immigration lawyer who's going to basically inform us about immigration law, and a, um, um, a, a woman with an agency, I believe, that works with migrant workers, uh, who's also going to fill us in. And um, that's starting at 7 till 8.30. Uh, but since we just read about uh, um, caring for the stranger, it seemed like a good segue. Anyway, uh, if you want to make a contribution for our study together, this supports the synagogue. And I thank you so much for coming. And your comments today, they were excellent. Thank you. Thank
4: you, Rabbi. As always.